welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of Morn and Her Majesty's Senior Coroner for Oxfordshire. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 46. And this case that we are looking at this week is all about the different standards of proof and when they apply. For many law students who are already familiar with the standards of proof, this might seem like an obvious point. In criminal law, the standard required is beyond reasonable doubt, while in civil law it is the less onerous on the balance of probabilities. However, there are some grey areas where it is just not as clear, and in this week's episode we will be looking at the context of a ruling of suicide following the inquest into a death. The death in question is that of the appellant's brother, James Morn, while he was a prisoner at HMP Bullingdon. The 34-year-old had mental health problems and was found hanged in his cell in July 2016. As with all of these types of deaths, there was an inquest where the aim was to see if the death should be ruled as a suicide and whether the prison authorities had done enough to prevent this terrible incident. In these types of cases, it is possible to reach one of two conclusions. A short-form conclusion will simply use the word suicide as the cause of death and leave it at that. Alternatively, a narrative conclusion will go slightly further and give a narrative statement about the circumstances surrounding the death. Here, the senior coroner for Oxfordshire decided that a simple, short-form conclusion was not appropriate, because a jury could not be sure beyond reasonable doubt, the criminal standard of proof, that Morn intended to kill himself. Instead, the senior coroner posed a number of questions to the jury, and asked them on the balance of probabilities, the civil standard of proof, to provide answers. From those answers, a narrative statement was drawn up, and it was decided that on the balance of probabilities, Morn did intend to kill himself, but increased vigilance by the prison service would not have prevented this death. As I said right at the start, the issue here is about the standard of proof, and so the current proceedings began with Morn's brother bringing judicial review proceedings to establish whether or not the ruling by the jury was indeed lawful. It was argued that the civil standard of proof should not have been used to contemplate a conclusion of suicide. Both the Divisional Court and the Court of Appeal dismissed this argument, and so Morn's brother appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. In the end, this was a majority decision, and the five justices were split by three votes to two. Lady Arden gave the lead judgment for the majority, and began by explaining that the law is not clear in this area, because neither the Coroners and Justice Act 2009, nor the European Convention on Human Rights, specifically require any particular standard of proof to be applied. It is true that there is case law suggesting that rulings of suicide and unlawful killing should be reached beyond reasonable doubt, but the problem that we have here is that a coroner's inquest is not a criminal proceeding. One other significant piece of legal evidence derives from a form contained in the Coroner's Inquest Rules 2013. In one of the notes at the bottom of the form, it says that the standard of proof for short-form conclusions of suicide and unlawful killing is the criminal standard, and that for other conclusions the civil standard applies. On the surface, this seems to suggest that the appellant's case is a strong one, but Lady Arden noted that when the Ministry of Justice consulted on the rules, 
they pointed out that the standard of proof was established by case law, and the latest set of rules could not change this part of the law. Therefore, by making this a part of the common law, it is up to the courts to decide and develop the standard of proof. With that in mind, Lady Arden decided that applying different standards of proof to both short form and narrative conclusions was both confusing and created an inconsistency in the law. As a result, the civil standard, the balance of probabilities, should be applied across all decisions from short form conclusions of suicide through to narrative conclusions, as well as decisions of unlawful killing as well. The reason for choosing the civil standard over the criminal standard is an interesting one and derives from a more modern and sensitive approach to suicide. Traditionally within the legal system, suicide has been associated with being a criminal offence. As our understanding of mental health and the causes of suicide has grown over the years and become much more nuanced and sensitive, the basis for an inquest has moved from being a form of criminal justice to a means of investigating suspicious deaths. Furthermore, there are legitimate concerns that requiring a criminal standard would be too onerous and so suicides would end up being underreported. Obviously, the minority took a different view to this, but it was not as simple as saying that the criminal standard of proof should be applied throughout instead. Both Lord Kerr and Lord Reed saw no problem with there being a discrepancy in the standards of proof applied in the inquests. They felt that the criminal standard should still be able to apply to cases of unlawful killing and short-form suicide, while narrative conclusions could require the less onerous civil standard. The main point of dispute with the majority was their interpretation of the coroner's inquest's rules 2013, and the footnote that we talked about earlier. You may remember that although this appeared to confirm the argument of the appellant, the majority nevertheless struck out on their own path because the Ministry of Justice indicated that this was a question for the courts to resolve in the common law. The minority disagreed with this approach because while the position may have previously been within the remit of the courts, once it was instated into the 2013 rules, that position gained a statutory footing and was no longer simply a common law position that could be developed by judges. As we now come to our own thoughts on this case, I think that while it is perhaps a less palatable conclusion, the legal case made by the minority is much stronger than the judgement of the majority. After all, the majority's interpretation relies on a response document produced by the Ministry of Justice. In principle, there is nothing wrong with that as it is important judges use all of the relevant source material to come to a decision. However, ultimately their job is to interpret the law, and a response document is not the law. The coroner's inquest rules, 2013, are the law, and these make it pretty explicit what the interpretation should be. There are perceivable issues with this conclusion, but that shouldn't affect what the decision ultimately is. For example, there are questions about how much reliance should actually be placed on a single footnote to a form, but ever since the case of Hunt and R.M. Douglas Roofing from 1990, it has been accepted that a footnote can lay down a legal rule. Furthermore, even if it is clear that this was not exactly the intention of Parliament at the time, and thus the rule only exists because of shoddy draftsmanship, that is unfortunate, but doesn't change what is on the statute book. Finally, perhaps the biggest issue with the judgement of the minority is the broader societal questions around suicide, 
as well as the desire for consistency in the law. It is not right that the legal system still gives suicide a veneer of its past criminality, and many Commonwealth countries have already moved well past this archaic understanding of mental health and those who decide to take their own life. This is all supported by Owen Thomas QC, who, in his review of the case on the UK Human Rights blog, argues that applying the same standard throughout has the twin advantages of logic and practicality. It is true that consistency in the law is undoubtedly desirable, but having a tiered system where some conclusions require a higher standard of proof than others is not beyond the realms of possibility and is certainly not illogical. Thomas expressed surprise that this majority decision was so close, but the view of the minority is much more simple. It is Lady Arden and the majority who ended up having to reach for their conclusion amongst Ministry of Justice report documents. Ultimately, the minority were simply doing their jobs as judges, applying the law. If they wanted to change the law, they should have got a place in Parliament. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Special thanks this week go to the account For God's Sake All Taken on iTunes, who left a very kind five-star review of the podcast, so thank you very much to you. Finally, before I go, another quick reminder from me that the reason this podcast is possible, and certainly the reason that it remains ad-free, is because of the people who support the podcast by subscribing to the newsletter. There is the free option for subscribing to the newsletter, but some people who are very kind also subscribe to the paid version of the newsletter and therefore get some extra goodies including the ebook how to answer essay questions um, if that is something that you would be interested in then do be sure to check out the link in the description to this podcast episode anyway i'll be back with another episode next week but for now bye, bye.